The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Are you like me and thought one day, I want to start a podcast? Well, it's easy. All you do is go to Anchor FM and sign up for free. Then all you do is you can record from your computer or your phone. And next thing you know, all you do is upload your episode. And then like magic, Anchor just goes and releases it everywhere to Apple, to Spotify. You name it, it releases it there. It's easy, it's simple, it's fun to use, and like me, I'm not very technical-oriented. Again, easy. Not like the rapper, but it's easy, if you get what I mean. So again, go to Anchor FM, sign up, and uh, start being a content or podcast creator today. thing as death. Life is only a dream, and we are the imagination of ourselves. Welcome to My Third Eye, prying open your thought, truth, and reality, questioning everything and anything from conspiracies, cryptic, spiritual, natural healing, and everything else there is to encounter. Everything we think is not real, just might be real. Welcome, Welcome to, to My Third Eye. Yeah, by the, by the 20th birthday, I mean, even like the last 
five or more were all i mean they looked grocery store perfect wow was, they were big really we we let them go maybe a, lo- a little longer than we needed to that was another thing is we we have a kill cone but they didn't fit in there they were too broad oh, they I, I couldn't get their head down the other side i was going man I've been meaning to pick up a traffic cone as like a backup or something like that. And that would have been so great because I could have just cut it higher and, you know, made that work. Hey, hey, welcome back to this week's episode of My Third Eye. I have Chud X and Lanny, his wife. Uh, They have their own podcast. Uh, You have to go check them out. And uh, I'll put the link in the description and what have you. But uh, we talk a little homesteading and, and food preservation and what it's like to uh, live in today's world with uh, the way the food prices and everything else is going. Um, they do uh, monthly uh, seminars, so please reach out to them. And if you want to learn how to make some awesome new recipes from fermenting and and, and everything else that we, we discuss, you know, join their their. Uh, their zoom conference calls uh, monthly uh if you want the full episode again don't forget to go over to patreon.com forward slash my third eye podcast and you'll get the full episode uh thank you for tuning in and i hope you enjoy this and get some uh good information and and maybe apply some of this in in your own kitchen so all right enjoy your week all right, welcome back to another episode. Today, I'm joined by Chud, X, and Lanny from Greener Postures, and we're going to go over some uh, food preservation, maybe some homesteading, and what it's like living in this crazy world of 2022. So, uh, how are you guys? Great. Thanks for having us. Yeah, it's a pleasure to be here. Absolutely. Let people know where they can at least find your show or any information that you have on social media or anything. Yeah, oh, sure. It's a lot, lot easier now because we have a website. Yeah, we have greenerpostures.com to is a catch all for all of our different projects. So, Greener Postures is just the name we've given all of the projects we do that are geared toward, you know, the freedom community. So, we have info about our podcast on there, which is The World As It Is Today. Mm-hmm. And we have information about the workshops that I do online and in person. Those are food preservation and fermentation workshops. And um, you can also find me on YouTube at Preserving Today and Instagram at Greener Postures. Awesome. Like and then you, you uh, might you might know Chud from the Deborah Gets Red Pilled podcast. Yeah, I spend a lot of time with that that low life Adam over <laughs> <Yeah>. there. <laughs> red red pilling his mother in law. Yeah, that that's a good show. I love what you guys do over there. And and the other side show that you guys both do. So Thanks. Yeah, Adam's an absolute genius for coming up with the with the concept and and um, you know Deborah's she's such a such a sweetheart and she's actually willing to listen to and entertain all these crazy things we throw at her. So it's 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 a blast. Yeah, I know my mother in law. No, not not a chance in hell. <laughs> mm-hmm. Right, mine too. Yeah, either mine too. So yeah, both of our mothers. <laughs> so they're they're all blue pilled Democrats who don't want to hear. Well, anything that, other than the standard narrative. Yeah. Now I will say my 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 in-laws are more red leaning, you know what I mean? They're they're Republican uh-huh. and what have you, but as far as conspiracies and, and other stuff, over their head. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, right. I, I have a lot of people in my life as well who are who are more on the on the on the conservative leaning side. But yeah, it's uh I get a get a lot of sly glances. We'll put it that way. Yeah. <laughs> so what got you guys started in in you guys homestead as well, correct? Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah, what, yeah, we've got. What got you all space. started into that? Oh well, um, I think really what I think woke me up to it was our first son, who's eight now, uh, had an anaphylactic response to peanuts when he was eighteen months old, Ooh. and that led us down the path of you know doctors and and trying to figure out what to do about food allergies. And their answer was just avoid those foods and uh, take this EpiPen and hopefully you won't die. And that was like not really good enough. So digging into what's in our food really made me and having to start making everything ourselves. Yeah. Uh, we couldn't go out okay. to the deli, even at the grocery store or restaurants or anything. So starting to make food ourselves and starting to see what was in food and um, ingredients that we you know, can't even pronounce and we don't know why they're there. You dig into one thing at a time and it just, it's like pulling this thread that just keeps going. Start really noticing that food, packaged food that should have like two ingredients, maybe one even has uh, has a whole paragraph 
of words that you can't pronounce. And then you start even trying to look up what they are and the explanations of what they are don't make sense to, to our land. No, not at all. Uh, I think the internet froze up a little bit here. I don't know if it's your end or my end. Yeah. So being uh, conspiracy minded anyway, we're back. So yeah, uh, being conspiracy minded really led us to, you got looking into all of that stuff really deeply led us to want to try to do more for ourselves. So first it was a small garden in our little house. And then I soon after started fermenting because probiotics are supposed to be really helpful Mm -hmm. um, to food allergies and for your overall health. So I made some sauerkraut and some fermented cauliflower and fermented carrots. And that's just slowly learned. Then we, you know, I learned to can and all this was in a a tiny, like 1970s mobile home that we lived in. And then in 2019, we were fortunate enough to move to this homestead we're on now, which has been in Chud's family for over a hundred years. That's right. And yeah, so the house we're in is like built by his great, great grandpa. My, when, my when great grandpa. Yeah, our son's great great grandpa. And uh, you know, there's fruit trees here and everything already, but then we got a garden going, we've got chickens and then more chickens and then some some more chickens. <laughs> <laughs> Lots of chickens. <laughs> yeah, we, uh, I think they call that chicken math. They right. do. They do. It's <laughs> when, when you're trying to figure out how many you have, that's when it really gets tricky. Yeah. <laughs> and and the moment you do, it's like, oh shit, we just added more to the flock because mm-hmm. we're we're thinking <laughs> yeah. about doing the same thing. Uh we had three of within the past year and a half our three of our original flock um they were older and one i'm pretty sure died in a a pecking order incident mm-hmm. and she was pretty i i saw the feathers everywhere and what have you so you know hens do what they do and then another one died not long after that and then this heat wave really it took a toll on 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 the one and but now we're with you know the the younger ones and i I looked at the wife i'm like yeah i think we might want to start thinking about upgrading the flock again and you know that way we don't run out of eggs because we like our eggs yeah how (laughs) many do you guys have then uh right now we're down to six we had nine so oh yeah that's you know that's still that's a pretty great number uh depending on on you know what your aspirations are but you know just to feed one family eggs you know that's that's pretty good. Oh yeah. Cause I, I think the, the rule of math now, this is like probably from the seventies or whatever. It was like one chicken per person per household or, mm-hmm. or maybe it was two, but uh, I mean, shoot, it's just me and my wife, you know, the kids are grown and out, but we do like to give them to our neighbors. We do like to give them to our, our, our you know, fa- immediate family and what have you and, and hard boil them, pickle them and do everything else with them. Oh, that's yeah. awesome. Yeah. I haven't done pickled eggs yet, but I kind of want to now yeah. our, are out here on the East coast. We'll do, we'll do hard boiled eggs. And then we throw, we get pickled beets or or pickle your own beets. And we throw them in with the eggs, with the juice and then some vinegar. Do you guys do that out on the, on on the West coast? No, I've heard of that. So you end up with pink eggs, right? Yeah. We have purple. Yeah. Purple purple eggs. And that's awesome. Oh, dude, we love, I like, and I never get mine because my wife, she'll, she'll do them. And then two days later, she was already digging into them. And I'm like, let, let the yolk get purple. That's when they're really good. You know what yeah, I mean? They soak yeah. all the way in. And oh, she's that like, sounds but good. I can't, I, I want them with my salad. So. <laughs> you have to make like twice as many as you think you need. So that oh, you can totally. actually have some of the good ones. Yeah. yeah. Um, so when you, when you ferment, are you fermenting with salt or are you fermenting with uh, vinegar? So fermentation, so fermentation is different than pickling. Mm-hmm. Um, pickling is where you use vinegar. Usually you warm the vinegar first, add salt, maybe sugar, spices, and you're covering it. And then you're either canning that, heat canning that, or moving it to the fridge. Mm-hmm. Fermentation is a natural process where you're working with the um, the bacteria that's naturally present on the food and in the environment. So all I'm doing is adding salt and water to an item and then you you're holding that under a brine for a period of time so that bacteria can get a foothold um if you have your vegetables under uh under water there's no oxygen so there's no chance of it getting moldy right and um you're mostly working with lactic uh bacteria uh, lactobacillus bacteria and that converts the brine into a lactic acid which is um, you know an acidic environment which would prevent botulism mm-hmm. so by working with these natural microbes in a certain way you're preventing your food from spoiling or becoming making being, being able to make you sick 
So a naturally fermented food is just using the bacteria in the environment and setting it up right so it goes. So basically it's just vegetables, water, and salt and whatever herbs and spices and you know garlic, whatever you want to make it taste good. That's awesome because, and I cannot, I am, I am going to have to go back through and I'm pretty sure it was on Freeman Fly's uh, podcast. He had, it was either him or Crow, but had a, a guest on and I forget her name. Um, the fermenting fairy. Did she was that cure, right? Did she cure herself of Crohn's or something yes. like that? Yeah, yes, yeah, she's been on Crow twice. She goes by the fermenting fairy on I can't remember her first name, but she's on uh, Instagram as the fermenting fairy, and that's her. I think her website as well. She's got a business and she does ship. She's out of Florida now, but okay. she, and she does ship nationally um, her wild fermented products, and that's exactly what she's talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, wild fermentation. She was she was very spot on about everything she talked about on Crow, like. You know, like that was cheap. Like it, sometimes we'll hear people talk about um, either food in general or preservation or specifically uh, fermentation. And, you know, it's like it doesn't quite line up with things that we we think and say and, and do. But hers were just it was all spot mm-hmm. spot on really good information. That's a good episode. If anybody wants to go back and listen to. Them. Yeah, because when when I first heard that and she's like, I just had this craving for sauerkraut and that mm-hmm. just totally took her down a, a rabbit hole. And I'm like, holy shit. And I remember I was, I was driving around on a forklift at work or whatever, you know, moving shingles, doing this or that and, and listening to this. And I'm like, oh, I, I got to dive into this. And, and I started looking at some YouTube videos and, and this and that. And I kind of, I kind of got a, it got away from me and I really want to get back to it. Cause now this year we took a, a year off from doing a garden, but normally we, we do a garden, you know, we, we can our tomatoes, make spaghetti sauce, you know, whole tomatoes, awesome. you know, all, all stuff like that. And I, I'm a big hot pepper fan. So I'll, I'll either, you know, pickle some of them with, uh, you know, in, in, and then dry some and make some, you know, like hot pepper flake shake. Oh yeah. Oh, sure. I call it hot mofo because I'm the one <laughs> that, that eats it, but yeah, I mean, we love it, but this year with her work schedule and, and, and mine, um, we noticed last year, and our tomatoes got blight right out the gate and mm-hmm. it was everywhere here in central Pennsylvania. It just wasn't us. So we're like, let's take this year off. We'll let the ground rest and then maybe hit, hit the ground running next year and, and what have you. But I mean, we still have our asparagus and I have some, horse yeah, the radish, stuff so. that comes up, that's, that's, that's yeah. the best stuff to plant. But ones yeah. you don't have to work too hard for next year. Yep. They just come up, they go to seed and then they just look like a, a big tall weed and then they go back into the ground. And then next year you get tasty tasty asparagus and awesome i think yeah. this year i'm finally gonna har- do the first harvest i've had the the horseradish growing for i think three years now and cool. i love the last time i made it 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 rocked everybody's world and <laughs> it, it was so potent that we had to throw the uh, canning jar away because we couldn't get the smell out of the glass <laughs> oh, that's a good sign right there yes <laughs> <laughs> that's yeah, awesome that so when you make your your pickled peppers are you using vinegar when you do that yeah i'll, I'll do and, vinegar and and water and then i'll put you know your some maybe some peppercorn or garlic or whatever in there but and then I, are you canning it afterwards so it's shelf stable or do you just mm-hmm. move into the fridge yeah, canning yeah, it great yep that's yep. awesome do a water well, that's bath. awesome that's awesome to hear that you're like canning your tomatoes and stuff because something that we're we're finding as we talk to a lot of people we're always talking to more and more people all the time. And a lot of people, particularly in the last two years, have have gotten the fire in them to start a garden mm-hmm. because they start seeing, you know, things are falling apart and they want to have a little more control over, and a little more sovereignty over their own food system and things like that. And it's really easy, I think, for a lot of people to get gung ho about, you know, uh, tearing up the ground and throwing some seeds in. And and then they're really excited because, Hey, we, I, I got all this food, but you get things like tomatoes and they all come in around the same time. I mean, at least for us, I know it's mm-hmm. different in different parts of the, of the country, but uh, then you have way too many tomatoes. You can't possibly consume them all. And then you got a whole lot of compost Yeah, and um, you know, that's going to be good compost and all, but um, it's, the, the food preservation side is such an, an integral part to if you're really trying to take over your own food supply, mm-hmm. like being able to preserve your food is it's just as important as being able to get it to come up out of the ground. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, it, our tomatoes come up the same way I did when I was poking around this year on, on different gardening ideas. 
even though we, we decided not to, I came across a, a video on YouTube where, where the, the lady said, okay, I plant uh, a, a row of tomatoes. And then she waits usually like two to three weeks later and then plants another row. That way they come in, boom, and then you're not getting them all at once. And I was like, man, that makes so much sense. Instead of planting 18 plants right off the bat and you're sitting here trying to give them away to your neighbors and, and trying to eat as many tomato or BLT or club sandwiches as you can, you know, what I mean? or, or, you know or yeah. get what you can to, to make tomato sauce. Cause we, I don't know, we love spaghetti in this house, but yeah, we, we use a lot of canned tomatoes too. My day job is making spaghetti. So, uh, so he, yeah, he I, makes pasta. I, I make raw <laughs> pasta from scratch. Oh, awesome. Yeah. I would yeah, love to yeah. learn how to do that. That's good. Uh, stuff. It's a good start. Yeah. Yeah. I think um, succession planting is what that's often called where you're okay. planting and then you're plant, waiting a few days or weeks, depending on the thing you're planting. Um, our, our growing season for tomatoes is kind of short. So I, I would worry to do that. But for like things like lettuce, that's that's the best because otherwise you can only eat so much lettuce at a time and it doesn't last that long in the ground or in the fridge. So when I plant that, I usually plant it like once a week for for like four weeks and then we have it coming up at different times. And that's it's been really a really useful thing. There's other things, though, that I like to plant all at once and a lot because I'm going to preserve them. So something like beets or tomatoes, I want them to come all at once so that I can make a huge batch and can because it's always easier to can a ton of stuff at once than to do little by little. So you don't have to get the canner out and yes. dirty the kitchen. Right. We did. Uh, we did pickled beets and fresh beets one year and our pickled beets, man, I, I probably should have. I should have entered them in a, in a contest if there were, if there was one around because every family member and everybody that we, we, we'd take them to events and they're like, these are the best pickled beets. They're sweet, but they're tart. And, and we put, you know, some Vidalia onion in there with them and, uh, they just turned out freaking amazing. But we did the fresh beets where we pressure canned them. Totally turned out like shit. Were they mushy? Cause I wanted to do that this year, but then I didn't. It wasn't that they were mushy. They had no taste. They were, they were yeah. blah. No yeah, taste. All the taste is in the water then. Yeah. You know? And I was like highly that. disappointed because I like fresh beets, you know, you cook them, you might add a little sugar to sweeten them up or whatever, but yeah, we were disappointed. And I do have to admit that the pressure canner that we have is my wife's Nana, late Nana. Uh, she got it for a wedding present in, I think, 1946. So Whoa. yeah, like it's, it's old, but it it's the brand. I forget the brand name. I haven't looked at it in, in a long time, but like, if you get into pressure cookers and, and pressure canning, it's the brand that everybody rants and raves about. And is it pre Presto? No, I don't think it no, was. Presto. That's, that might be a more modern one than that, but it's still been around a long yeah. time. Yeah. It might be a, like old. American canner or something, something something okay. weird but uh, that sounds good <laughs> I like the yeah sound of that. <laughs> and uh but it doesn't even have a gasket like you have to put vaseline around the, oh my god i'm so it. afraid of that that's yeah so we, <laughs> it's really cool but it would totally be just a decoration in this house because oh, i'm totally. a little bit afraid of that because we we had it going this is before we bought our house we, we were we were still renting and uh i had it in there and i, I had the heat adjusted and I, i'm looking at it and everything and you know, the wife's out sitting in the living room and I'm just kind of peeking around the corner. I'm like, okay, it's doing its thing. I'm like, there, there's an active bomb in my kitchen. It definitely I, I mean, is it's scary. It's you know, full of boiling water and glass. <laughs> yeah. I was just like, but you know, the other things that we did turned out all right, but the beats, I was just, I was, I was so disappointed because we, you know, we bought at that time, cause we couldn't have a garden, but we bought a bushel of beets and we did, I think half and half. And I'm like, next time we do that, or if we don't grow beets, I said, we're, we're just going to pickle them all. Yeah. I, so I tend to do a smaller batch the first time I can a recipe because if it's not good, then it's super disappointing because you have like a million cans. Yeah. yeah. So, but then after I know what I'm doing, like, and it's one I've done multiple times, then I, then we make, I make as much as I can at once. Yeah. Have you guys yeah. ever done pickled green beans? Um, I do fermented green beans. So okay. I've never canned pickled green beans or made them with vinegar. But they taste the same when they're done, um, but they're not, they have a better snap to them. So oh, nice fermented green beans, like fresh dill, pickling spice, garlic, some chili flakes, mm -hmm. green beans. And then you make a brine that's just water and salt and cover those green beans and let them sit for like seven days on the counter room temperature. 
you start to see bubbles and stuff and they get, you can tell it's alive yeah. and starts to smell like vinegar and then start tasting them. And they're done when you say they're done and you move them to your fridge. Oh, that's and awesome. um, people sometimes make pickles like cucumber pickles that way and then can them. But I haven't tried that before. Okay. I'm worried that they would become mushy. Yeah. And we just have, we have a basement. So we have a second refrigerator. That's basically just for all my ferments. So nice. we, we no, managed, no need to fix what ain't broke. Yeah. We managed yeah. to keep the ferments in the fridge. Yeah. I had pickled out here. They call them dilly beans. And yeah. yeah. And it was, I think it was last year we went up to the cabin and our cousin, or my wife's cousin brought, brought them. They, someone had brought them to a company picnic and he just took them because nobody wanted them. He's like, Oh, here, we'll just put them out on the table. I pretty much polished off that whole jar. I was like, I've never had these, but these were really good. But I would love to try the the, the fermented style. Yeah, because more... you're helping your gut too, you know, yeah. and it's alive. And then, yeah, more like more of a crisp in this. And then the vinegar ones can then are heated. Um, and then are, are you increasing the nutrients in it? Well, so point? there is some, some information about that, which I always take any scientific studies with a grain of salt. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but that being said, um, there has, have been studies done like on sauerkraut, for instance, um, any, any kind of food preservation, there's nutrient loss. So like when you can something just heat or cook something or freeze something, then the micronutrients are, are, are going down incrementally as time goes by. But with fermentation, they, they did a study and it was one cup of cabbage has 70 milligrams of vitamin C, but one cup of sauerkraut has something like 750 milligrams of vitamin C. Oh, so wow. that vitamin C is increased huge. And actually I learned that when they found that scurvy was caused by a vitamin C deficiency back in the day, they started bringing barrels of sauerkraut on those boats to remedy mm, that. That makes so sense. So there is a, a benefit to pre preserving your food uh, with fermentation, because it does increase those micronutrients. And I'm not a scientist. I'm not doing any tests. Right. But when I eat the food, I can tell it feels alive. It feels more nutritious. It's like when you eat something fresh from your garden mm -hmm. or something cooked that you bought from the store. It's a huge, you just, it feels different. And the fermented foods, it stays, stays like that for a long time. And then um, my dilly beans will last in the fridge for two years. Like, I have salsa in our fridge, the famous four-year-old salsa <laughs> that I, I, and it's, you know, it's a raw food. So yeah. just by not cooking it, that saves some of the nutrients too. Yeah. That salsa, well, not that specific one necessarily, but salsa being fermented was what really brought me around to, to digging all this fermented stuff. I don't think I was too opinionated on it before that peanut allergy. And before we started, so before Lanny started messing around with, with fermentation, but, um, I think you did a couple things and I was just like, uh, you know, I could take it or leave it. You know, it's not, I wasn't blown away, but then you fermented some salsa, like some fresh cut salsa and you fermented it and you, we had tacos or something. And I was like, I was in love. This was the best salsa I had ever had. Oh, wow. And lo and behold, like this salsa also has an extreme shelf life. And, um, you still have a jar from around that time. It was one of your first ones you did. Oh, right? it was a little after that, but it was from our last house. So I like that it moved with us. And, you know, it's, it, I've got about a cup of it left and I've, we could have finished it because it was tasty, but now it's just an experiment to see how long I can keep it without it going moldy. And so when people come over to our house to do in-person workshops, I always show them the four-year-old salsa and I eat a spoonful of it and offer it and people people taste it. No one's died yet. So we know that. It's, yeah. It's that's good. That's, that's <laughs> yeah. science right there. <laughs> that's, yeah. science. that's my experiment. <laughs> yeah. So, um, and the fermented salsa is super easy. It only takes 24 to 48 hours to ferment, depending on how hot your house is. And oh, it's wow. loaded with probiotics. It's got like a little effervescent. It's like the champagne of salsa. It's like pico de gallo, but with that freshness, but then something that you can leave in your fridge, that's not going to get moldy. I like that. The champagne of salsa. Mm -hmm. yeah. I saw you said that on something with the applesauce. Yeah, fermented applesauce is the champagne of applesauce for sure. It's, uh, I didn't even know you could so ferment good. applesauce. Wow. Yes. Oh, it's next level. It's so good. It's not the same product. It's not the same thing that you get when you buy or can applesauce because that's like apples that's been cooked to mush yeah but but this the way you do it it's it's entirely raw right yeah i just puree it in a food processor and then put it in a jar and you can add a starter which would just be 
like a small amount of any other active ferment, which will bring some of that bacteria into this environment. So this time I used sauerkraut juice or yeah, you can use sauerkraut juice, but I try to think of something that would meld what meant well with the, you know, apples. So I have fermented cranberries in the fridge. I'll use some of that brine or this time I had, I just used some of my kombucha that was fermenting on the counter and that worked well. And then after like 24 hours, it's kind of bubbling and then it starts to smell good and you stir it a few times and, and then all of a sudden it's this magical raw applesauce and, and you don't it'll add stay. no sugar to it. No sugar. No. Oh, wow. Yeah. And it's, it's sweet, you know, depending on your apples, you want right. in season apples that are sweet and yeah, you don't want and, granny Smith. No. And I kind of like some tartness, but we have transparency. I don't know if you're familiar with that variety of apple. Uh-huh. It's an early apple and they're kind of green, but they're different than granny Smith. Um, but those actually make really good. I like it. Make good tart applesauce. And, the, and that term though, champagne is so accurate for, for those, but then so many of these other ferments, it's become, it's become like when I, when I taste things, I, I call it the magic. I can feel it's, it's a feeling that it gives my mouth and my body as I, as I, as I take it. And it's that, it's that champagne. It's the little bubbling, like you can feel it moving as you, as you, as you taste it's it. It's the gentle oh. effervescence as a Sandor Katz is a great fermentation revivalist and he calls it cultural manipulation. And I always liked that. Nice. <laughs> it's like, we're just like playing with, with this invisible world in these little containers and trying to get them to thrive so that they kind of, the good guys win the battle and the bad guys don't, you know, the bad guys, those actually aren't really bad guys because they have their purpose you use other microbes to break things down and return it to soil. Like when you're composting. composting. Yeah. So those are the microbes that we want to go away. And we want these others that want to preserve the food and, and make this acidic environment and make things tasty. So if I were to get a head of cabbage, slice it up, like to make sauerkraut, all I would do is get a big bowl, <clears throat> throw however much salt in there and water and make sure it stays s- submerged for 24 to 48 hours and then transfer it to to jars and then so very close except with cabbage you're shredding it so you're going to use the dry salt method and that just means you're just adding salt and then you massage the salt into that cabbage and as you're massaging it the salt and that pressure breaks the cell walls in the cabbage and it releases the liquid inside the cabbage Okay. So after a few minutes of massaging, or even if you, after you massage for a minute, you can put a towel over it and let it sit for like 15 minutes, you'll come back and there's a pool of liquid in there. So that's your cabbage juice and that's going to be your brine. So with the dry salt method, you actually don't add any water. So it makes it even more of a great flavor and more nutritious. And then, yeah, you pack that really tight into a a jar and then put something on top. That's going to help keep that under the brine. Like you could use a rock. Um, I, I, Grows up again. Dang it. Anyway, ladies and gentlemen, we're experiencing lots of weird stuff before I had better equipment. Dang. Are we back? Are we back? Yep, you're back. We're and back. Last, last thing okay. I heard was rock. <laughs> yeah, so you could stick a rock in there or or some you could put some pebbles in a plastic bag, anything to keep your vegetables underneath the water. Okay. And then put you want to make sure you put a lid on it to keep insects out. No fruit flies in there. Right. But you also need that lid to be breathable so that the CO2 that's created from the fermentation process doesn't get trapped and you make a little bomb in your jar. Yeah, no more bombs. <laughs> so yeah. a ta- you can use a towel. Make and a- food, not bombs. <laughs> make food, not bombs. <laughs> so you can use a towel with a rubber band or I use coffee filters often or you can get special lids that have little vents on them. And then, yeah, it's sauerkraut. I usually go about 20 days. Um, you're going to see a lot of activity on like day three bubbles in the side and then you might see some foam form forming on the top. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly, but then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the hefty renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials to participate. Simply fill up an orange hefty renew bag with accepted items, tie it up and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Top and you're going to want to skim that off because mold okay. can grow on the foam. And that's just from the CO2 being produced. And then things kind of settle down and level out and you just leave it and then start tasting it around day 15. And I go for 20 days because I like my sauerkraut a little crunchy. Okay. Other people say it's not really sauerkraut unless you're to like 60. And for me, I don't think it tastes better. I think it's, it gets mushy, gets mushy. Yeah. So say we're talking end of the world apocalyptic situation. Uh, so the sauerkraut's done when it's gone. It's not like there's no rule of saying your sauerkraut's done after 20 days. Mm-hmm. You would make the sauerkraut when the cabbage was abundant, leave it alone until you started to get hungry, then start taking from that big giant crock until it was empty which would probably mean that in the fall, you'd have really crunchy sauerkraut. And then by springtime, you'd have very soft sauerkraut when you're, you know, starting to grow your garden again. And that's pretty cool. So you could, as long as, if it's under the brine, it's fine. So as long as you keep your vegetables submerged, it can't grow mold. Now, do you have recipes on your website? So I have um, a few videos that I've done on uh, preserving today on YouTube, like little tutorials. My applesauce is there. And some kefir because we do kefir as well. Um, and then on the website, I don't have, I, I, we did have, there's a blog as a part of it. So I think I'm going to move forward to doing some of that, but mostly where you can get more information from me is through these workshops. Um, mm-hmm. So w- I have one tomorrow, which is, I don't know when you're releasing this, so it might not be tomorrow for listeners, but that's, uh, this is Sunday, the 24th tomorrow of July, and I'm doing fermented condiments, an online workshop. So we'll cover mustard, ketchup, relish, salsa, and applesauce in this workshop. Oh, wow. And a lot of people who've already taken my previous previous workshops are taking this one as kind of like an, an additional information. Really the best one to start with would be fermentation for food preservation. Um, and I'm doing that next Sunday, August 21st at 2 p.m. Pacific time. And you can sign up on the website. Um, it's affordable. And if it's not affordable for you, I want you to email me and tell me. That's what I tell we'll, everybody. We'll make it work. I want people yeah. to come. And these are live Zoom workshops. And the reason I do it this way is so people can watch me and ask questions as I'm doing it. It feels much more beneficial to people um, to kind of be present in it instead of just witnessing it on a YouTube video. And then, you know, they can ask questions as we go. And then I have a telegram group that's just for people who attend the workshops so that they can be posting what they're doing after and asking questions. And that's been changing recipes and all that kind of stuff. I I also think you might want to point out that with that one that you're talking about for next month, uh, that that's like a good intro. If someone's like never fermented anything or pickled anything, like that's where you kind of of show the difference between pickling and fermentation and go over the the basics of what it is to do. Yeah. The fermentation for food preservation workshop is really the beginners to anything vegetable fermentation. So we'll cover the dry salt method. Like we talked about with sauerkraut or the brine method, which is for any kind of like larger cut veggie. And we'll talk about botulism and mold and harmless things that might grow like calm yeast and just really an overview of what fermentation is and why it helps preserve your food. So that can really bring you into this idea of, for me, when I started this, I was like, how am I going to do this and leave something out and not kill my family? Because yeah. that was a big concern because everything, it's really um, almost like brainwashing constantly that, oh, there's a salmonella outbreak. There's a new E. coli outbreak on the news all the time. And if you've ever worked in a kitchen before the food handlers thing, it's, it makes it seem like you're handling toxic waste that could, you know, hurt somebody at any moment. 
So learning more about my food and about microbes and how all that works has made me feel so much safer in our kitchen to be able to cook more like our ancestors did before refrigeration. Yeah. There's so many things that are in our, in our food system that we're, uh, you know, use the word brainwashing. It's, it's, it's always, it's being driven into us that our food is dangerous Mm -hmm. and that we need, we need regulations that are going to make that food safe for you. Everything needs to be sterilized. Everything needs to be pasteurized everything. And if we don't do that, you are going to die. Um, you're going to kill your family. Someone's going to get really sick and it's going to be your fault. So don't mess with that. Just trust the experts. Just buy the prepackaged food. Um, you know, don't certainly, certainly don't have chickens and, and, and have room temperature eggs that sit on your counter and, and feed those to people. Right. Um, you know, all these, all these things that, um, you know, it, it, might seem extreme to be saying they're they're pushing fear into us over our food but it's 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 really it's not they're they are they're they're making us all be afraid of our of our own food and in such a way that it kind of it nudges a lot of people towards the idea that oh i couldn't possibly create my own food i couldn't grow and preserve my own food if i do that i'm so likely to, to kill my family of botulism and salmonella and all these other, these other terrible things. But in reality, those things are not a, they're not as, as prevalent as we're, as we're led to believe and, and B they're not necessarily as, as bad as we're led to believe. Uh, Botulism is a, is a great example of that. It's a horrible disease. You get very sick and can die. Yeah. But it's really actually takes the perfect conditions for it to happen. Botulism spores are all over the place around us all the time. And it takes this perfect environment for that spore to turn into botulism toxin where it can make you sick. And so, it's really easy to kill. Because if you have, say, canned food that's questionable, pressure canned, right? It's mm-hmm. uh, possibly has botulism. If you heat that to a point of boiling, you'll kill the botulism and you can then eat the food. So when they talk about botulism, and that's like a hundred percent of the time, right? It's like not questionable. You can also, you can't grow botulism in an acidic environment. So any canned fruit or canned uh, vinegar pickles or anything like that can't have botulism there in there at all. That's why it's no problem just to can jam and you don't have that concern when you're eating it. But if you're canning meat or other types of vegetables, when there's not acidity, then heating those to temp is the safest way to make sure that you're not going to get sick. It's pretty basic stuff. Do you guys, uh, do you guys mess with sourdough? Yeah, uh, I do. And I just did something amazing today. I'm really excited about, <laughs> I, I, uh, I said, I don't want to heat up the kitchen, but I want to bake bread. I'm going to try to do it on my barbecue. So I got my Dutch oven on my barbecue and I baked two beautiful loaves of sourdough bread. Oh, <laughs> it was oh, very man. nice. Some, some of the best looking loaves you've ever made. Yeah. Too. If anybody wants to check out my pictures of my food, that's what my Instagram greener postures on Instagram is how, for. How old is your, uh, your starter? It's pretty new. Cause I started it from scratch when I, when I started baking and that was just this winter, I started it in January. Okay. So yeah, it's just, I'm kicking uh, myself months. in the ass when we went to move from our apartment five years ago into our house. My family, because I'm originally from, uh, I was born in Wyoming, lived in Idaho, and then my mom remarried and we moved out here to Pennsylvania when I was like 11. Um, but my, on my dad's side of the family, um, my uncle, uh, I kept, kept the starter alive. And when, when he first sent it to me, it was 93 years old. It'd been wow. in our family that long. And the bread was freaking amazing. Well, we got busy with the moving process and, and, you know, signing this, signing that, doing this with the bank and what have you, I forgot to feed it. And I tried to bring it back to life and it, it just yeah. wouldn't. And I'm so pissed, but I, and, it, and at the same time, I'm so embarrassed to reach out to my uncle and be like, yeah, I, I kind of killed the, the, the starter. Could you send Can me I get another more one? Of that, please? Yeah. yeah. But, I know it's hard. It's hard to kill it though. Cause it does want to live. So it's yeah. like, but it, it, completely it, it, dried it happens. Just, yeah. It, oh. I tried everything I could. And I was like, motherfucker. <laughs> yeah. My, so I had thought of, you know, knew. getting some starter from somewhere else I was thinking first. And then I realized like, we're in this home that's was built by your family. And we've been that that's been here for a hundred years. It's like, 
I could be using the natural wild yeast in this environment that was used by your grandma and your great grandma to Mm -hmm. bake in this kitchen. So I decided to start my own starter from scratch. And I also think if anybody wants to get into sourdough, starting your starter from scratch really gets you to know and understand what a starter is and does Mm -hmm. and how to take care of it and how to read it. So instead of reading the clock, you're reading your starter. So you're like paying attention for the, the rise and the peak and when it's coming down and if it's watery, it's hungry, you know, all those little nuances that you might not get till later, you learn those right away because you're watching that and feeding that every 12 hours for like two weeks before you can actually bake with it. Yeah. And my, I remember growing up, um, having sourdough pancake, that, that's the only pancake I knew was a sourdough pancake. And then, you know, you move out and out here and what have you. And they're like, no, no, it's just regular, you know, Bisquick or whatever. And yeah. it's like, oh, they're not the same. They, they, they just don't have the not same the taste. Same. Oh, I love sourdough. That's like my favorite bread. Yeah. So I'm doing pancakes and waffles and, and muffins. And, uh, pizza. we did pizza this week. That was oh, fun. Nice. We did it on the barbecue, which was uh, really fun and it turned out really good. But, um, it's also, I'm not sure if you're familiar with the Weston A. Price foundation or the work mm-hmm. of Dr. Weston A. Price. He was actually a dentist. Um, Back uh, early, oh, I don't know when he was, 1950s. I, I actually don't quote me on the year at all. An old-timey dentist guy did studies on um, different tribes around the world and their health. And he noticed that the tribes that were still eating the ancestral diet had really... And we froze broad dental arches and straight white uh, stuff. sweet so patiently there yeah, we are yep okay so uh where was i weston a price yes. yeah so the the ancestral diet the people who were still eating that had really healthy teeth and mm. sinuses and facial structure and then the generations wide, wide arches wide dental arches yeah and then the uh the, the people that were eating more western diets um, had poor dental arches and sinus problems and, and as well as other health problems. And as the generations went on for the longer, say that mo- mother was eating that Western diet and gave birth to a child that's now eating that, it continued to degrade. So the, the findings there were that the traditional ways of pre- preparing foods were what was in common between all these tribes. Some of them ate mostly just fish, others ate red meat. Um, they didn't, and a lot of them ate grain, but all of it was prepared in certain ways. They were soaking, sprouting, or fermenting their grains. Mm. So stuff, information about sourdough is if, if you have like a gluten sensitivity, you can make possibly still eat sourdough that's been well fermented because part of the fermentation process is breaking down that gluten structure. Yeah. And it also makes the nutrients in the grain more available to you and easier to digest. So when I was like, reading all this stuff and we have an 18 month old baby. So I'm like thinking about introducing foods when he was younger. And I was like, I don't want to give him grain unless I ferment it. And and that's what led me to finally get on the bandwagon of sourdough. I had resisted for so long. Nice. Yeah, man, sourdough bread and sourdough just in itself is is an amazing process to, to watch the culture grow and then you feed it and then you know, you pull half of it out and you, you make a batch and you put it in the oven or, or like you did on, on, out on the Barbie and make some oh, banging loaves of bread. Like I, I would, I went through a phase when, when we had it, I was making a, a loaf a week or every, every, maybe two a week. And yeah. I couldn't make them fast enough. You know what I mean? Especially once you pull it right out, it's hot. You, slice oh, you it just open, have to eat it all. butter yeah. on yeah. it and just, bam, it's like, yeah, oh, it's it's seven. I love, uh, Lenny's brother was here, uh, month or two ago and he he asked the best question of why are you making any food that's not this sourdough <laughs> yeah <laughs> he's like that i'm just the, gonna eat this that's all, all we need why are you making steak this yeah. is just all we need yeah so if you know sourdough already and you know food like because you canning you're mm-hmm. gonna be a whiz at fermentation like right away like you're 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 gonna love it like uh, w- the satisfaction of watching your culture grow in a sourdough is so similar to watching the, the lactobacillus grow in your fermented foods yes. and um watching for those signs of fermentation and then i also do a fermented beverages workshop which, oh yeah we haven't even talked about the the 
beverages. I, I yeah. might like the beverages even more than the sourdough bread. The the fermented beverage workshop. I've got another one scheduled for August 12th at 5 p.m. Pacific time on Zoom. Um, that will cover kombucha, uh, fruit kvass, beet kvass, uh, water kefir, tapache, herbal root beer, and ginger beer. So ginger ginger beer usually starts from a ginger bug, and that's really similar to a sourdough starter because it's oh. gathering wild yeast from the air using just sugar and ginger and water. And then you oh. use that to inoculate a soda that you make. Um, fruit fruit kvass is probably the easiest one for anyone to make and be successful with. And then kombucha is it's a rhythm ferment, which means that when you finish a batch, you start a new one and you continue because it is a living culture that will multiply. So okay. it can be overwhelming when people are starting kind of like sourdough can, cause you have to keep your starter alive and keep mm-hmm. using it. Uh, kombucha is similar like that. And so are water kefir, cause those are kefir grains. Um, but uh, fruit kvass is, is not a commitment. You make one batch and then forget about it. And it only takes what, four days, five days max. And you have really good effervescent bubbly fruit soda that's really low in sugar, but tastes sweet and tastes oh, wow. really fruity. Yeah. That and, sounds amazing. And kids love it too. Kids you love know, it. Yeah. It's it can it can replace soda pop, or in my case, uh, I, I don't drink anymore. And uh like the tapache in particular, the pineapple, it it replaced beer for me. Uh I there was a time where I couldn't imagine myself not drinking beer. And you know, this this actually because I when I quit drinking beer, first I thought I'll drink root beer. You know, that'll <laughs> that'll be just as good. And I buy a case of root beer and I drink one and I'm like, yeah, that does it. I'll go for a second one. You know, this is I used to drink, you know, 15 or 20 beers in a night. Right. Uh and uh after two root beers, I'm like, yeah, I'm 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 done. All that all that you know, high fructose syrup or or cane sugar or whatever's in it is just way too much. But um, yeah, all these fermented beverages were great. But it was once once we entered into tapache that it was like, oh, here's something that I can sit with and drink it like a beer. Like it goes down like a beer. It's subtle like a beer. It uh, but it's not it's not boozy and it um, I don't know. It, it actually it just it hits that spot that's that satisfies me like that tapache is a fermented pineapple drink it's traditional to mexico and i think they ferment it for longer there and it is a beer so it's it's actually just using the outside of the pineapple the peel or the rind of the pineapple Mm. so you cut your pineapple and you save the peel and the core and stick it in a jar with some sugar and water and And then you throw out all that stuff from the inside oh (laughs) no wait you get to eat eat all that good stuff from the inside and then you just stir that and keep it covered with a cloth or a coffee filter and um you know three days later you see a lot of bubbles and some foam forming and you bottle that into like a swing top bottle or you can use a reusable you know plastic bottle you've saved from a soda or water and leave it on your counter for another day or two until that plastic bottle starts to feel hard move it to your fridge. And then once it's cold, you have this bubbly soda that's made out of the stuff you were going to throw away from your pineapple. It's pretty that, amazing. That's awesome. Cause I, I think uh, Benjamin Balderson does stuff uh, similar to that. Oh, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Uh, I've talked with Benjamin before and unfortunately, you know, we talked for like two plus hours and then at the end I was like, you know, I want to talk to you about fermentation too. And he was like, yeah, <laughs> But not right now. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, because fermentation is alchemy. I mean, I call it kitchen alchemy a lot of a lot of the time. It's it's transmutation of of one thing to another. You're you know, and you're just guiding this natural process. It's it's pretty amazing. Yeah, I know. uh, This kind of going back a little bit. uh, Probably a month or so ago, um, I stopped at the store. My my wife wanted uh, and I wanted BLT, so I was going to make BLTs for uh, dinner that night, and. I bought a tomato or a couple tomatoes. And on the way home, I noticed that our local little farmer stand had his tomatoes out. And I was like, pump the brakes. You know, I had these two tomatoes that I bought at the, the grocery store. I was like, nope, I'm getting a, a little bushel of these, put them in. And they're, they're amazing. They're not sandy. They, 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 they're very comparable to what we've grown here at, at our house. Well, I took those store-bought tomatoes cause they were kind of still orangish. They weren't like that bright, vibrant red. And I put them out on the, the table out on the, out, out on our deck to get some sunlight and maybe it'll ripen them a little bit. They never ripened. They actually just started to rot and blister. And I was mm-hmm. like, 
I'm not eating store-bought tomatoes ever, ever again. I'm like, I, yeah. don't, I have no idea what's in that, but that's not a tomato. Yeah, that's so interesting. You know, as Chad was saying with, you know, the idea of having to sterilize all our food to make it safe. Mm -hmm. Actually, that does the opposite of that. So when you're when you remove all bacteria, it's just similar to giving someone antibiotics. And then you know that it's common that side effect from antibiotics is getting a yeast infection or something like that. Mm -hmm. It's because the balance of microbes in your body that it gets wiped out. And then you leave this blank slate for the bad guys to take over if they wanted to. And that's the same with pasteurized pasteurization. So pasteurized milk, if you leave that out, you know, everybody knows what that smells like. It's not good. That's not food. But if you leave unpasteurized milk out, it wants to turn to cheese. Yeah. It quickly starts to try to turn to cheese or yogurt or something because all of those natural bacteria that 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 facilitate those processes are all there and at play instead of just this blank slate for for the mold and the the other bad guys to take over. Yeah, and that that even goes into I I will never use hands. Well, I can't say that I will use hand sanitizer if if I'm picking up some chicken in the in the supermarket and it's juicy on the bottom. I'm looking for oh. a paper towel and, going to <laughs> and if, yeah. you know, sure. some sand, you know, but other than that, I don't use the stuff. I, I wash my hands after I use the bathroom. Um, but I'm kind of old school. You know what I mean? I, even when I was in the military, there was times you, you were out on the flight line for hours. You're coming in to grab a quick, quick bite and you only have maybe five, 10 minutes to wolf it down and taste it later. I never wash my hands. I don't, mm, you know, I mean, right. granted, I was probably putting some bad shit, you know, with the grease and what have you, but even now, you know, I'll be out in the yard doing whatever. I have dirt on my hand. What, you know, I'm healthy. And, you know, I have wow. a very good immune system. Now I do kind of credit that to whatever the government pumped into my body back from 96 to 2000. But yeah, um, but yeah. And then I make something. Um, I don't know if I told you about this, Chud. Uh, I make it. I make a batch about every couple weeks. And it's actually um, where they got hydrochloroquine from and it's a natural quinine and i get usually 10 grapefruits 10 oranges a bag of limes a bag of lemons um two pineapples and maybe two containers something now when cranberries are in i'll use cranberries but usually i'll throw some blueberries in there now i cut all my my fruit in half i juice them in in like a juicer and then throw the rinds and i have one of those big uh turkey fryers so i that's how big of a batch I make. So I throw everything in there, pour the juice in from all, all that, throw my, I cut my pineapple. The only th- part of the pineapple I don't use is, is the top. I cut it all in, all in half, leave the rinds on and everything. And then I simmer it. Uh, I pour in spring water. Um, and then I simmer it for um, two hours with a lid on. And then I, I turn the heat down and let it cool down naturally. And then I st- strain it and squeeze out all my, my fruit and what have you. And then I pour it into jugs and then I take one, I'll freeze one, and I, I drink that every morning. And I it got me off of, uh, I used to have a, a inhaler for, for my allergies. I had a- allergy-induced asthma. And I would, it, I don't snore as much. I mean, just healthy uh, all around. Wow. And it, I love it. And now it's tart. You know, I mean, you can add some honey to it if you want, but... I love it. And yeah, t- I think tomorrow I'm, I'm due to make a, another batch of it up, but so that's like a natural whole food vitamin C. Yeah, and then yeah. also, is that, um, what is it? Q-certain? Is that the name I want to say? It's a, a supplement Q-certain or something, yeah, but be. yeah, there's, there's some component. It's like antioxidants, right? Mm-hmm. Antioxidants, and then, I mean, high vitamin C. It, I never got, the- I never got the Rona. And that and mean, that might even help you from like getting sunburned. And yeah. there's the more information that comes out about the way we work with the sun and how we produce uh, vitamin D. It's like eating natural fats from animals that have eaten grass, their natural diet and eating a high antioxidant diet is like the cure for like everything that ails. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What you're making there, that's, that's nothing but good stuff. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, yeah, I, I believe that that especially if you haven't been consuming things like that and you start, if you're, if you're doing that regularly, Oh man, that is going to have some, I, I mean, I have no doubt that had major impacts in positive ways on your, on oh, your big time. whole system. And, and I've been doing it right, right. As Rona came on the scene, it was right before the lockdowns is when I started making, it. I came across it from a, a friend on telegram or whatever. 
And I just kind of started tampering with it, you know, adding, you know, I was like, Hey, maybe pineapple, what, what health benefits do pineapple have? Okay. I'll throw some in there. I knew blueberries are high in antioxidants and they taste great. And, but now my wife, she got sick. And as soon as she started coming down with it, it, uh, I gave her some vitamin D and I told her drink two 16 ounce glasses of this a day or however, however much you can stomach. And within two, three days, boom, everything was out of her. Awesome. Yeah. That's great. Well, then you think of those foods that are really beneficial and then consider fermenting because then you're not heating them at all Mm -hmm. and they're in their most natural form, but preserved so that you don't have to only rely on, you know, eating loads of fresh stuff. So like that tapache, that's loads, loads of good stuff that comes from pineapple is all in this like fruity little soda. That's pretty cool. Yeah. We, we never got the Rona either you know, and we just kind of, it was, uh, it was almost the joke of, of, you know, like, what, what are you guys talking about? We don't know that that thing's happening out there. Yeah. You know, it, it just seemed to not affect her. I was so proud of my son when, uh, we were, we were doing Cub Scouts as, as it started. And, uh, we, we went to the, well, I wasn't there. You took him to the, to the last meeting he went to, and they were making everybody put hand sanitizer on and he had to turn to his mom and go, what is that stuff? What, what are these people doing? He, he had no idea. He couldn't wrap his head around it. And of course I'm like, well, it's basically rubbing alcohol. It'll dry your skin. It's not very good for you. Yeah. So I, I mean, he's like, I want to use it because everyone else is, you know, but and my parents are saying that it's stupid. So I really want to use it. Yeah. But that was that, like, I mean, he's, he's, I don't think he's used it again. No, he hasn't, but I love that he rebelled from us by using hand sanitizer. (laughs) (laughs) I'll show you mom and dad. (laughs) (laughs) He's like, I'm going to do this and then join the army or, you know, do something. Then I'll become a young Republican or a member of Antifa. I'm going to go to college. (laughs) (laughs) Now, a question that, and this is a passion of mine. Do you guys forage for, for wild mushrooms? Um, I haven't done foraging for mushrooms since I was young, but I used to with my dad when I was growing up and we have morels that grow here and we're in Northwest Washington. So we have an abundance of mushrooms. Yes. Um, we are foraging for other things in the forest right now. And we've got some field guides. So I keep just trying to pay more and more attention to see what is growing here. Cause there's a ton of, I mean, Cat, hundreds of varieties of mushrooms that grow so, on our so many property. just on our property yeah. it's something i've never been into personally I've, I've always admired it i know people who do but i just uh it never uh, you know i never went along on any of those oh, did those you ever trips. sneak into any um you know cow fields to get the liberty caps i did do a little foraging <laughs> like that yeah when we were young you know there's yeah. a lot of those kind of psilocybin mushrooms that grow here too <laughs> but, oh yeah you uh, got tons of them <laughs> yeah but that was it like i know there's plenty of others and you know like lanny was just saying there's there's so many different mushrooms in our woods i i do forage berries and things like we have wild black raspberries that that uh, i've found growing mm. here and there on our property we've got thimble berries we got all these other edible berries that are really really delicious and do you um, guys have uh choke cherries yeah yes oh, yes yeah. we do i miss them so much we used to go out when i was in idaho we'd go out and forage them and my my parents would make choke cherry jelly or jam and mm-hmm. the only thing i can find that it comes somewhat close to that is out here, uh, the Amish will make a, a sour cherry jelly and mm-hmm. it, it's very similar, but it's, it's not, it's not choke cherry. And I try you to exp- get, you get a lot of good cherry flavor from the choke cherries or from the sour cherries, but yeah. with the sour cherries, you also have to add a lot of sugar. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah, uh, the choke cherries are amazing. Um, they made yeah. the best kvass last year. I made a, I made a choke cherry, uh, fruit soda with those. And that was, that was the best kvass we made. Oh, nice. There's about four or five pretty big choke cherry trees that are on our neighbor's property that hang over the fence on the farthest, farthest corner of our property. And they don't do anything with them. And, uh, you know, they don't, they don't care at all. They raise cattle over there. It's just kind of, it's almost more of a barrier for them. And I just take my pickup out there and put, put up a ladder and I'll, I'll pick, I'll bring home way too many. It becomes a chore to get home with them because we got to pit them all. Oh. Uh, and they're small. So there's a lot of pitting to get, now, to get it's a, a lot of pit amount. to fruit ratio. Like, yeah. Yeah. See, sure I was never why... privy. I don't remember that part of it. I'm sure I helped, but 
I just remember going out and foraging for them and, 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 and everything. I was just like, man, you know, but that's a good memory I have, you know what I mean? And, but yeah, go, going back to the mushrooms, I, I highly, mm-hmm. highly, highly recommend. Get a field guy. <laughs> well, where do I start? I'm bad shit. What you read in the covenant is cap. I was bred by the government. Fact check every head when it come to this upside down system. Had enough of it. Another sapien that's on the globe. Lost code, looking for the direction, but don't nobody know. The only bit of insight that they ever sold me, I've been starting to find out, doesn't really hold. Every highfalutin piece of shit hidden in a tie, high motives to align goals. Cheating on your wife, my ties at the ninth hole. Someone gotta die, they don't care, they itemize souls. Tit jobs from Botox to light bulbs, light bulbs in my head of where I might go. I'm on a tightrope, walking the edge. And I've been wondering if anyone loves me, shit And I've been wondering if anyone loves me, yeah Fuck And I've been wondering if, look I've been hopping down this rabbit hole for quite some time To find lines that connect through to all their lies They normalize a real life poltergeist To trust Pfizer with a remedy to make you right The thought's sick I take a chance and roll my dice Because something in my stomach isn't sitting right I want a soul search, find a place to bring in light But I can't cause Fuck I'm bad shit, what you read in the covenant It's cap You were fed by the government Fact check every head when it come to this upside down system Had enough of it, we batshit What we read in the covenant, it's cap We were fed by the government Fact check every head when it come to this upside down system Had enough of it I want the power to shake shit and shift shape Tap into pineal eye without a mistake We have the power to live right and get straight But they found a way to remove this, they bitch made Hey, keep on calcifying glands with your flow ride while I flow ride the valor of rhyme. I'm flying high by the seat of my pants. A beat speaking to me, know I'm talking back every chance. Hoping one day I make it overseas or to France. But in the Northwest, I trip without a traveling band. Yeah. And that's word to my cat plug. I'm higher than giraffe puss. Look what the cat drug in. Now I'm scribbling this rap in the bathtub. At midnight, I don't fill it up with the tap cup. Soaking in my cannabis suds. Anything for a buzz. Reclaim my residue inside of a dab jug. Peel through a fat stash, burning the last snug. I picture this dimension I don't want to come back from. But here I am, still stuck in the bathtub. My brain fried, but honestly, I'm fine. I'd rather not have one. I'm batshit. I'm fucking bad shit, and it's your fucking fault. It's their fault. Straight up. I'm done. I'm bad shit, what you read in the covenant. It's cap. You were fed by the government. Fact check every head when it come to this upside down system. Had enough of it. Enough of it. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.